Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the 110th Psalm, the fourth verse. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. It is a good morning, to be sure, in spite of the ice and the snow. The sun is shining, and I hope that all of us who are here in God's house at this hour are happy to be here welcoming the privilege of worshiping our Lord. Today, as you know, is the third Sunday in Advent. Today at Emmanuel is also our day of commitment and recommitment to Christ. The word Advent, as you realize, means the coming, and it refers to Jesus as the coming one. And so the Advent season has for its purpose our preparation so that we are ready for the coming of Christmas to celebrate the birthday of Jesus. And we are getting ourselves ready in this way. We are asking ourselves in the question of the hymn that we just sung, what child is this? Who is this child born in a manger whose birthday we are getting ready to celebrate? And we are turning to the word of God and we are getting various answers from the word as regards the identity of this child. Last Sunday, you remember, we went to the Old Testament to the prophet Zechariah, who lived about 400 years before Bethlehem. And we asked Zechariah, Zechariah, what child is this? And you recall the answer? He said, shout for joy, O daughter of Jerusalem. Rejoice, he says, O daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. And we saw that Zechariah says, this child is no less than your king. And we looked at him last Sunday and found that he as a king was second to none, and that the blessings that he has brought us as our king are incomparable. They are also second to none. Today we again ask the question, what child is this? And today we are asking David, the sweet singer of Psalms. Now David lived a thousand years before Bethlehem. This morning we say, David, what child is this? And David, looking in prophecy, says, Don't you know what child this is? And he says, This child is none other than a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And you and I say he is a priest forever in the likeness of Melchizedek, similar to Melchizedek. And we may say, But David... Is that something to rejoice about? Is that something to be glad that this child is a priest in the likeness and comparable to Melchizedek? Does that make him a priest that you and I say is worth knowing, that he's worth loving, and that he's worth having, and that he's worth our recommitting or committing ourselves to him again today? We may say, what about this priest? forever after the order of Melchizedek. What about the blessings? And David would hasten to reply to you and me on the basis of God's word, rejoice and be glad that this child is none other than your priest after the likeness of Melchizedek because David would remind us this morning that as the priest in the likeness of Melchizedek, he is second to none. And the blessings again that he gives us as our priest, they are incomparable. Uh, they, again, cannot be compared with other blessings. They are also a second to none. And so this morning as we get ready for Christmas, 
we say to ourselves, this child, David, is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and you say that thus he is a priest who is incomparable, he is supreme, a second to none. And David remind us in the first place that again, this child, our priest after the order of Melchizedek, is no less than the eternal one, the one without beginning, God himself. You and I may say, who is this Melchizedek? May I say, one of the most fascinating characters you find in the Old Testament. He lived about 2,000 years before Bethlehem. He lived 1,000 years before David. And David is mentioning him and saying that this Christ child is no less than a priest like Melchizedek. And we wonder, who is this Melchizedek? Well, we go back to the time when he lived, and that was the time of Abraham, 2,000 years before Christ. Remember when God came to Abraham, who lived down in Ur of the Chaldees, and God said, Abraham, if you will go to a land that I will give you, I will make you the father of a great nation. Remember Abraham had faith in God, and he left Ur of the Chaldees, went on up into Haran, and he came down in a southwestern direction and came to a land where he had never been before, the ancient land of Canaan. And he came into that land there by the Mediterranean Sea, and God says, this is the land that I will give you. And when he got into that land, it was a land just simply dark in heathenism. No one there knew anything of the true God. He was in heathenism and the Canaanitish gods of the worst kind. He had a lot with him, you remember. Well, one time a group of marauders came into Sodom and Gomorrah and they captured Lot and some others and they carried them away as captives. And then Abraham heard about it and Abraham gathered up his servants, 318 of them, we are told, and he went after these marauders and he overcame them and he released Lot and his family. And on the way back from that victory, they came through the ancient city of Jerusalem and there was a man by the name of Melchizedek that met them. And when Abraham met this man, Melchizedek, he was flabbergasted. This man, Melchizedek, in the city of Jerusalem, was a priest of the Most High God. I think I could make it clear to you if I would say to you, in this land of dark heathenism, there was one person, Melchizedek, I'd use the word Christian, who was a Christian. And when Abraham met him, this Melchizedek came out to thank Abraham for his relief. Abraham looked at him, a priest of the true God. Where in the world did that man come from? In this land of the eternal darkness of Eden. Abraham had met no one who knew the true God. Here in Anachronism, to be sure, a Christian a priest of the Most High God. And what does the scripture tell us about this strange man? It says he had no father or mother. In other words, he had no genealogy. We don't know where it came from. Here he is. He is coming out and blessing Abraham. He is a priest of the true high God looking forward to the Messiah. How did he become a child of God? How did he in this strange land? We don't know. And the Bible says that again, he had no former days. Now again, he had to have a father and mother to be sure. But there is nothing told us in Scripture as to who he was, who his parents were, where he came from, how he became a priest of God, but here he is. And so he becomes a type of the priesthood of Jesus, the child of Bethlehem. And David says, why this child is a priest forever after the likeness of Melchizedek. In the same way then, Jesus had no beginning. 
even as Scripture doesn't tell us anything about the beginning of Melchizedek, about the beginning of his days. And so again, we say, this child is no less than again a priest like Melchizedek. In other words, David is saying, don't you realize he is the eternal God? He is without beginning. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is very God, a very God. Don't you know that? And thus blessings that again are second to none. The assurance that as God, the eternal one, he is big enough to be the great priest of the entire human race, big enough to be the lamb, because as the priest in the Old Testament sacrificed lambs, here was a priest, the eternal God himself, who was big enough to sacrifice himself as the lamb for the sins of the world. You say, what child is this? And David said, don't you know why this child, he is forever a priest like Melchizedek. And you and I say, what a strange character. And Abraham would remind me that means he's a priest second to none because like again, this child like Melchizedek, he is no less than again one who had no end, the ever-living Melchizedek. And the Bible tells us about this strange character of Melchizedek. Imagine a Christian appearing in Jerusalem in a land of darkness. Abraham just flabbergasted to see somebody who knew the true God. How in the world did he ever know the true God? Where did he come from? And the word of God says that again he had no father and mother. There were no days before him and again that he never died. There was no end to his life. Now scripture doesn't mean to say that he lived forever. But scripture saying there is nothing told us in the word of God about this strange priest Melchizedek. He comes into the history suddenly of God's people with Abraham and he suddenly disappears. We know nothing about him. May I say there's still a tradition that people who like to take this absolutely literally who say that this Melchizedek is probably still alive, that he's wandering someplace on the face of the earth. This strange character, a priest of the Most High God in the land of Canaan that was filled with darkness of heathenism. And again, David says, don't you know what child this is? Why, he is no less, he says, than again, your priest like Melchizedek. In other words, David is saying, he is the everlasting God, no end to him, the ever-living God. This is the child who died on Calvary for you and me, who arose again from the dead, who lives forever. There is no priest like this priest who lives forever, comparable, yes, in a small way to Melchizedek, and thus bringing you and me blessings that are second to none, that only in him is there forgiveness of sins. Only in him do you and I have deliverance from death and hell. Only in him do you and I have the gift of eternal life. What a child, a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. What a strange character in the word of God that Abraham, 600 miles from home in a strange land of heathenism, suddenly meets a man by the name of Melchizedek who is the priest of the Most High God. Where did he come from? How did he ever hear about the true God? How did he ever become a priest? You don't know. There is this strange one. And David says, this child is just like this Melchizedek. Assuring us then that this child is no less than a king and a priest. This was rather strange. We are told in the word of God that Melchizedek was not only a priest of the Most High God, but he was the king of Salem. He was the king of Jerusalem. Imagine David writing that there was again in the city of Jerusalem a thousand years before his time a king by the name of Melchizedek. And here is David mentioning him a thousand years later. He is the king of Jerusalem or the king of Salem, the king of peace. 
And David says, don't you know that again my Lord is a, absolutely he is the high priest like Melchizedek. And that means that this child, as we heard last Sunday, is not only a king, but he's also a high priest. And in your life and mine, that means these tremendous blessings. As our king, again, you and I may not have an easy journey through life. It may be rough, and at times it is rough, isn't it? But let me tell you, because he is king, it's always going to be a safe journey. No one can ever take you and me and grasp us away from the hand of Jesus Christ. You and I have the promise of immortality. You and I will live because this child is king. We'll live until our mission and our purpose in life have all been completed. And then as our priest, when we have put our faith in him, he will welcome us into the eternal mansions. These are blessings second to none. What a child. David says, don't you know him? Why, he is a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek, a king and a priest. Oh, what an interesting, what a fantastic character in the Old Testament. We just love to know where did he come from? How did he get to know the true God? As I say, a Christian, 2,000 years in the land of Canaan, where no one knew the true God at all, except Abraham. And Abraham met him on the way back when he had rescued Lot. That's why David says, don't you know this child? Why he is no less than again. He is your place in the likeness of Melchizedek because David would remind us he is no less than a priest who is greater than Aaron in the entire Levitical system. Can you remember? This is 2000 B.C. It was 500 years later when the day of Moses came and when he was at Mount Sinai and when God set up the Levitical worship system and appointed Moses' brother Aaron as the high priest. But here was Melchizedek who lived 500 years before Aaron. And yet this day when Abraham was coming back, Abraham, when he talked to this man, Melchizedek, recognized that he was a priest of the Most High God, and Abraham gave him tithes. He recognized the superiority of Melchizedek. What does that mean in simple language? Listen, in the groins of Abraham, there were Abraham from him and Isaac and Jacob, and again Moses and the entire children of Israel, and there was Aaron, and when Abraham offered sacrifices, and when he in the tithe gave sacrifice to this man Melchizedek, he was recognizing him as a superior high priest, even superior to Aaron and all of the Levitical system. Aaron, you know, was from the tribe of Levi. And again, and Jesus was not a Levite. He was from the tribe of Judah. But this high priest, this babe, not from the Levitical tribe, not from Aaron and Moses, he again, in the very giving of tithes of Abraham, he is the incomparable high priest. Why? Because as the living high priest, his sacrifice, as the Word of God tells us, was a timeless sacrifice. This high priest was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world who has provided salvation and eternal life for Adam down through the entire Old Testament to the end of human history. What a priest. After the order of Melchizedek, what a strange character, Melchizedek, who lived 2,000 years before Jesus. 
And David says, don't you know what child this is? You're getting ready to celebrate his birthday. Why? He is a priest forever, like Melchizedek. And David would remind us that that means that he is no less than our high priest who lives to make eternal intercession for us. David says, a priest forever. Melchizedek, a priest forever, a type of Jesus. If Jesus is a high priest forever, we say to ourselves, what's he doing for me now? And the word of God says that this high priest Jesus, like Melchizedek, who is forever, who is without beginning and without ending, this Christ, he pleads with the Father for you and me, so that again we may remain in grace. We say to ourselves at times, I sin every day. I do things that are wrong that I'm not aware of. I do things that are wrong that I don't want to do. How can I be in a saved relationship with Jesus Christ? And the answer is that this high priest who is forever, even as Melchizedek was the type of the forever priesthood, he eternally pleads for you and me so that there is a forgiving stream that comes from him to you and me in our lives that in your life and mine there isn't one billionth of a second and there isn't one billionth of an inch as you and I go in time or in space but what we are forgiven. We can stand in grace because there is flowing from him who is our high priest. There is flowing like Niagara Falls, a constant forgiveness that even though we sin every day, we can stand in grace and we can be saved. That's a blessing that is second to none. That's the peace that the world doesn't understand. And David would remind you and me also that not only does he live to make intercession for us to keep us in grace, but he lives and he pleads with the Father, this eternal high priest like Melchizedek who is eternal, he pleads with the Father to give time for us to repent when we have wandered away from him. Sometimes we wander away from Christ. We know a thing is wrong and we do it anyhow because we like to do it. We even deceive ourselves and we make ourselves think that because we want to do it that somehow or other wrong becomes right. And we harden our hearts and we wonder how does it come that again that God doesn't strike us dead on the spot and the reason is we've got a high priest who is pleading with the Father, don't strike him dead, let him live. And the blessings that come from Jesus are these, that in the providence in your life and mine, by means of sickness and heartache and tribulation, he does everything to wake you and me up to the reality that just one thing is necessary, and that is to have him as our Lord and as our Savior. This is this child whose birthday we are getting ready to celebrate. He is a priest forever, like Melchizedek, a strange, strange character, oh, fantastic to be sure and interesting, that God allowed to come into human history to remind you and me that this child is like he is forever. And because he is like Melchizedek forever, it also means that he is no less than the one who gives us his body and his blood in the Lord's Supper. Think what a blessing we have. This great high priest who on the cross offered his body in death and his blood in death in a mysterious way, and the sacrament says, by means of bread and wine, here is my body and here is my blood. You and I can have no greater assurance in life that we are saved than the assurance of the Lord's Supper. There are days when we don't feel good and we don't rest our salvation on a feeling because feelings fluctuate and they are so deceptive. But to be able to receive the body and the blood of Christ 
of this priest who again offered that body and blood on Calvary to know that these two erasers erased from your soul and mine everything that we have done wrong, all the scars of guilt and punishment that we stand before God as we stand before his altar when this priest gives us his body blood as though we had never sinned. This is the peace and surpasses all understanding. So as we get ready for Christmas, we say to ourselves, what child is this? It's tremendous that David says, but don't you know, well, this child is no less than a priest forever after the likeness and the similarity of this strange person, Melchizedek. And today, when we, again, when some will commit themselves for the first time to Jesus Christ and you and I recommit ourselves, we ought to do it gladly and willingly, regardless of the sins in our life, because here is a high priest who is tremendous, who is so willing to forgive, who again has done everything that is necessary. And then when we commit, we're ready for Christmas, then we know what Christmas really means. It's the birthday of our Savior. It's the birthday of Christ. It's the birthday of that high priest according to Melchizedek. Then when we rejoice, we ought to thank him that he has loved us so much that we can be ready for Christmas and realize just how he longs for you and me to know him as Lord and Savior. Oh, what longing sometimes for a loved one that we see in life. I shall never forget a trip that I made. It was in December going up to Minneapolis when we had a special board of publication meeting. And our plane landed at O'Hare Field, and of course it was the Christmas rush, and there was a long-standing line. Again, those who were waiting to get on to the plane, and usually five minutes before plane time, they allow some of those who are waiting for the plane to get on. And a young lad, a soldier lad, got on, and I was in the first class section that time, there was a seat for the window, and they allowed him to sit there and the hostess that said you can stay there if the person whose seat again uh, that belongs to doesn't come and I looked at him a nice looking lad he was all in we began to talk and I said uh, where are you going he said Bismarck North Dakota and I said where have you been he said I left Vietnam early yesterday morning he'd been in the thick of the fray and he says within 10 minutes after they told me I could go home he said I have just been hopping rides in the military and he says I finally got to the coast. I, I thanked him that he had been in Vietnam for me. I wondered if he was hungry, and he said, I've got to get home today. And he said, I hope they uh, let me remain on the plane. And when I realized that, I said to him, well, listen, I'm going to a board meeting, but it's much more important that you get home today than that I be at a board meeting on time. If they'll let me, you can have my seat if you can't stay on. Will the folks be there to meet you? And he said, oh, yes, he says, my mother is going to be there. I said, does she know you're coming? He said, I hit the coast early this morning and I called my mother. And I told her I was here and she didn't know it. And I told her, I'm coming commercial. I don't know when I'll get there, but I'll be there sometime today. And never forget what he said. She said, as soon as I hang up, I'm going to the airport. I'm going to meet every plane. He said, she's been there since early morning, waiting for every plane. I thought of that mother. He was a Lutheran lad. I thought of her going from gate to gate, waiting, hoping, and praying for that boy. And this, again, is the way Jesus waits for you and me. This high priest, he yearns, and we're ready for Christmas when we can say, oh, how he yearns. He wants you, and he wants me, and we can look at him, and we can approach Christmas, and we can say, oh, what a holy night is Christmas. 
we can fall on our knees and we can worship him. We can thank God that this child, as David would say, don't you know him? Why, this child, he is no less than a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He wants you and me. When we can appreciate that love, we're ready for a very Merry Christmas. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.